and welcome to the 1099. So I'm really torn if I want to call it the 1099 podcast or the 1099, but I think the 1099 because it sounds like a hot ABC weekly thriller uh, hosted by me, Josiah Renaudin. Hey, everyone. This is a podcast, surprise, for freelancers, by freelancers, and about freelancing. Uh, we're going to touch on a whole bunch of other random things too. So if you're not a freelancer, don't turn this off. Keep listening. I promise it'll be worth your while. We'll be talking a little bit about everything, how we got into the industry, maybe how you can get in the industry, and just, you know, we're going to bullshit a lot. Uh, and with me today to bullshit, Miguel, you know, I didn't ask how to pronounce your last name, but can I can I give it like a go and see if I get it go right? For it. All right. Can I say it real fancy? I know exactly how it's going to sound. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. With me today is Miguel Concepcion. Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as well as Jake Baldino. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Thanks for having us. Yes. I am totally happy to have you guys on this debut episode. Uh, if you could, Miguel, you start. Uh, tell me a little bit about your freelancing career. Just who are you currently writing for and who you've written for? Okay. Well, I am... I've... I've been in the industry for about 16 years, and um, about half of those years were freelancing. This is the, I'm in my, in the middle of my fourth consecutive year as a full-time freelancer during this current stint. Um, Current outlets I am actively writing for um, includes The Daily Dot, uh, Red Bull, GameSpot, um, the future outlets like uh, Games Radar, an official Xbox magazine, now being run out of their UK office. There are a couple of outlets where, oh yeah, and, and I, I'm also writing for Paste. There are a couple of outlets that have like open invitations with me to send features, but um, I haven't, I have yet to write for them or I haven't written for them in six months. So I don't think those count yet. <laughs> um, I see some my count. Yeah, uh, my background's actually more in video production because I got my in back when X-Play was originally extended play and before that because of ownership and cha- uh, ownership changes with the TV network ZDTV to Tech TV. I mean, uh, uh, extended play was originally GameSpot TV. So um, my career feels a little... It's interesting you're bringing me on uh, this year because... I mean, into this podcast this year because... Um, my career's feeling a little full circle because uh, I'm meeting with the GameSpot team tomorrow because I'll be working for them exclusively during E3. Oh, that's so awesome. So it's just, you know, nice, good five, four or five days. Just It's nice working for one outlet for E3 for like the first time in like 12, 13 years and just have that sense of focus and direction and just, you know, hey, just give me what, what appointments would you like me in and... I'll just uh, focus on them and write about them, and uh, you know, it looks like there's going to be some on-camera work. So, uh, just happy to have that sense of direction going into this expo. Man, I, I want to go to E3 so badly. I'm so jealous of you. Um, <laughs> it's great to have you on, Miguel. I am excited to talk about so many things since you've, man, you're one of the most storied, experienced freelancers I know. So, I have a feeling we'll have to talk about. Also, Jake Baldino, what up? Hey. Um... Freelancer, I've never, I haven't coined myself as a freelancer in a while, but I like to think I, I gather money from all different places. <laughs> um, I started out uh, writing actually, and now now I work primarily entirely in video. I started writing for video game writers about five years ago, uh, until my one of my YouTube shows started to pick up, and I decided to try and become a full time YouTuber, which. Four years later now, I finally kind of am. Um, I've been with pretty much it 
it's a show that me and my pal started in our basement and has now kind of become a little bit more of a thing and we have a blast doing it and uh i've also been reviewing games on my own channel called because video games uh but the coolest thing lately uh about a year ago i got picked up to be the video producer slash on-camera personality for game ranks and uh they basically gave me a blank youtube channel and said hey do whatever uh and i've been having a blast doing that yeah, and I, I really actually want to talk about that uh so i wrote for game ranks for about a year i was their news editor um and i remember like there was never a big video presence and now i look over there and you have like how many subscribers like sixty thousand or something like that we're rounding the base on eighty thousand. jeez uh we started when i got on board last year the youtube channel didn't have anything and it had 400 subscribers so we're like, like a, that's like over a thousand percent i think <laughs> and that's one of the <laughs> biggest changes in the industry and i bet miguel you've seen this over time is just how much you need to be able to do video stuff now um just being yep. a classic, I'm going to write news and reviews. Like you're gonna find a way to get money, um, but to be able to actually go, especially if you're if your goal is to go full time, um, if you want to be a part of the Gamespot team or the Game Informer team, you need that experience, whether it's on camera or on a podcast or uh, just video experience in general. And uh, yeah, that's what you've done in that YouTube channel, Jake, is super cool. Thank you. I do get a lot of. Um journalists and traditional writers coming to me and asking me like hey how do i you know get more into video and i i help everyone i can because that is where things are going so i feel like there are a lot of people out there who have that great voice and just haven't put it to video yet and it's a pretty simple tra uh transition so it, I, I really recommend that most people should try and have some sort of video presence definitely absolutely and like i I think too often, especially early on, a lot of writers were kind of pushing against this notion that you need to have video experience. Like, oh, no, it's fine. It's a fad. Like, you know, writing, previews, reviews. Oh, yeah. Doing that I stuff felt like is... a black sheep for a while. Totally. I felt kind of like on the outside. It was um, weird. Yeah, a lot of people fight against it. And at this point, I think, especially if you're just starting into freelancing, you have to look at both sides. You have to understand that, yeah, I need to write, but also I need to be able to talk over this video game or I need to be able to be on camera and be comfortable with that. Uh, so yeah, thank you for joining, Jake. I'm you're you're one of the perfect people to talk to about video stuff. Maybe if even though you're not exactly freelancing, you're more you know committed to yeah. game ranks and different things. But yeah. uh, you know you just took a YouTube channel from nothing to being popular. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you. It, it is a hustle. That's for sure. It's it's a hustle, probably a lot like freelancing. So that's why I feel like I can relate. So okay, I guess I haven't really talked about myself. <laughs> um, so I've actually I've been writing about games. Uh, Oh, geez, five years probably now. Um, so not, but I've actually only started getting paid back in 2013. And that's something that I knew I had to do. Like I wrote a lot for free. I'm guessing you guys have been there too, um, where you're either writing on a personal blog or maybe a startup site. I know video game writers, um, was it, was that Brian Shea's website? Yeah, that was uh, Jason Evangelo and Brian Shea. Yeah. So, and he's a game informer now. Um, yeah. And I wrote for a couple sites like that. There was a uh, one called Reaction Time. There was one called uh, I love. Okay, Stick Skills, one yes. of the greatest names ever. Uh, so <laughs> I wrote for. I was the editor in chief of Stick Skills, and I was for my first paid gig was on uh, Game Ranks. So the first people that was like, "Hey, your writing's not terrible. Here's money." Um, <laughs> Small world. <laughs> so yeah, so I wrote for Game Ranks for a while, and then eventually I first got published on IGN on the front page. That was trust me when that happened. I thought I was gonna cry that uh, cool. it was super cool it was uh, I wrote a feature about is right right around the time the ps4 and xbox one were launching is either right before or right when it was happening 
and I uh, got a really cool interview opportunity to talk. I want to talk about the the perception back then and even now is that like PS4 is this great new place for indie game developers. Um, and at an E3 party, which we're going to talk about E3 in a bit, uh, I was at uh, Michael Pactor's um, party, which I shouldn't have been there. It was this weird, crazy story, and I got there. Um, and I, <laughs> I ran weaseled in... my way into that too. <laughs> really, it's oh, dude, it was so much fun. Um, so many open bars. There's so much great food, and I ran into Lauren Landing, who uh, is the Odd World creator. Yeah, yeah. Um, he went over, and we had old fashions together. Nice. And uh, he we exchanged like information, and he was one of my interviews for that feature. So it was Lauren Landing, it was uh, Greg Kasavin, and um, I don't remember the last one. There was there was a handful of them, uh, and that landed on the front page. And kind of from there, that was my jumping off point. I now write for semi exclusively. I write for Gamespot right now. Um, I have a full time job. Unlike uh, you, Miguel, I I have not moved to full time freelancing. Maybe that's in my future. Um, but I have a full time job. Is a web content producer at a tech company. But other than that, I write for Gamespot. I've written for Video Gamer. I've written for Paste, IGN, um, a little bit of everyone. Uh, so yeah, Congrats. I think it's, it's been a weird journey. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll ask you, Miguel, like how, how long did you write for free or did you write for free? Yeah. I'm, I, it's weird answering this question because I have to like sound super humble about it. Um, I've I, so we had, uh, at San Francisco state university, we had a really great relationship with them back when tech TV was originally ZDTV and, um, it maybe through timing, the fact it was 2000, uh, just the way the dot-com bubble was uh, deflating, or however you call it. Um, whatever the case, I ha- I made enough of an impression on the show that I actually had a production assistant position waiting for me the Monday after graduation, which Man. does a lot to your self-confidence because I, you know, going to my last semester, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I just, I've never actually written anything for free, though there are two... There are two articles I did for Kotaku that um, I ended up submitting for free like a couple of years ago. So the Silly Pet Project, where every time I interviewed someone notable in the industry, after the end of the interview, I asked them to do their best impression of a stock photo model. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it was under Kirk Hamilton's sort of a Kotaku tag called Game Face, and it's under sort of the what they call the fake gamer tag. Uh, the fake gamer keyword because it was originally this whole reoccurring series of Kirk commenting on stock photo models, holding controllers and stuff. And so I think it's, you could see it as about like three years ago or two years ago. And, but you know, I got everyone, everyone from even like John Madden to, uh, (laughs) I don't think he really knew exactly what I was doing because I don't know. He's kind of getting up there and, in years Aww. john madden's crazy like yeah. i don't know i don't think i want to hang around that dude he might just say something super inappropriate in public and you're like oh no john madden stop yeah so i mean you could probably if you if you search the term code like kotaku game developer fake gamer john you, madden you'll probably find there's like two there's two articles worth of like, I think like each one has about twelve to fifteen photos. Everyone from like Felicia Day to Yoshinori Ono um, to uh, Akira Yomoka. It's wow. it's it was a pretty fun thing to do. I I mean I I basically uh, 
stuck a fork in it after I took photos of Hideo Kojima at the PlayStation 4 hardware review event in New York. That's kind of the peak, isn't it? Like, you have to almost stop after that. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's funny explaining what I'm trying to do to the Japanese developers when I got them to try to pose, but then you have someone like Cliffy (laughs) B who, like, knew exactly what I wanted. And so he's got a pretty good photo on that article. Anyway, I mean, I do have a collection of three... A, a, a third collection of photos that have yet to be published and I've just been too busy to just sort of like pitch it around but I need to that, search this now I, I've never actually seen this and now I just think now I'm going to blame you for Kojima leaving Konami because cool. I think he really just wants he's like found his calling as a uh, stock photo right. model well <laughs> he was just you know 2013 if you think about it um, he was so into it um, and I've seen him at enough times during the development cycles of his various games that the that if I have to ever give any advice to talking to Kojima, always and this probably applies to any developer, always <laughs> talk to him at the middle or the beginning of a development cycle because he's just much easier to talk to. I would imagine by the end you're just like, I wanna die. Why that's why he wants to quit Metal Gear every single time, because by the yeah. end of it it was like, Oh Jesus Christ, was, like the blood sweat and tears. Yeah, and if you heard anything about this review event, it was pretty silly. I mean, I joke that I call yeah. it the time—I call it the timeshare review event, where <laughs> I'm a twenty—I'm like a—I'm a five-minute drive from Sony headquarters in San Mateo slash Foster City. And the more I learned about this incoming event that I got invited to, the more I, I was like, I wanted to ask them, "Hey, if you're handing out these review units in New York, can I just like drive to your office?" Like, no, they wanted you to sit for 45 minutes and you know they wanted to control the experience of you going through the UI for the first time and after you sat through that presentation they gave you a dog tag here you go you can pick up your PlayStation at the penthouse of this hotel and um, you could even have it engraved if you like but you can leave yeah that was another weird thing I managed to weasel myself into I had no reason to be there (laughs) No, no, right, rather. No, but I there's so many things like that where you kind of have to stop and be like, how did I, how did I get in here? Yeah. Like, I mean, once again, that was my, that was all of my E3. I still wasn't getting paid at that point, and I'm like footing the bill to go to E3. But they shouldn't have given me a pass. Like, what am I doing there? Like, and same thing with like the Michael Pactor thing. We're at this party, and um, I remember I'm with my uh, friend and at the time coworker Max, and. We look over to our right. There, there's Jeff Keeley, just chilling, you know, no drinking. Deal. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. And Max is like, "Let's go meet Jeff Keeley." And we start talking. And Jeff is like, "Hey, do you want to uh, meet the respawn guys?" This is right before Titanfall came yeah. out. Yeah, wow. he's like, "What is going on?" Like, there was so many things like that where you're just kind of walking through, and a lot of the start, especially like once you, if you're like me and you start out not getting paid, once you start like getting into stuff like that, that's you you don't believe it, but that's what really gets you going. That's what really makes you excited, and that's what makes you you start building from there. Uh, so many of my contacts that got me writing gigs now were from that E3. It's a reminder of like how small this you know community is. Oh, absolutely, it's yeah, it's tiny. I mean, like I just said, like I was the news editor for Game Ranks for a year, and now Jake's there doing video stuff. Like, it's there's a lot of there's not a lot of places to write, um, so everyone kind of gets to know each other. Right. Um, and it, it just comes back to the whole thing of like, if I'd ever give one advice to any freelancers, don't be an asshole. That's pretty important. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, the whole point of me bringing up Kojima was the fact that he was, you know, the way, I mean, Jake could attest to this. They had this whole arrangement where they basically 
blocked off the entire like standard hotel and each floor was themed on a different game publisher and like one floor was just indie games and whatnot but um Kojima was there to demo Ground Zeroes, which he only brought as, in the, like as in on a on a DVD disc. He actually did not have like a controller, and it. it was not hands on. No. So for me to take photos of him holding the controller for my stock photo model shoot, he compelled me to prematurely unbox my PlayStation Four. But if you're going to unbox your PlayStation <laughs> Four for anyone, you might might as well be Hideo Kojima. <laughs> So he is like holding my controller. So oh man! Oh wow, that's so. Cool. Ever, I hope you never wash that controller. I've actually. I should just like have like a display case of controls <laughs> I've been washed because there is um uh. there's an interview I did with the cast of Scott Pilgrim for Game Zone that I did in 2010 because I found out they were doing a media tour specifically for film press, but I got wind of it, and I think I was like the only game journalist who actually was able to get in, and so. I did happen to have my Xbox controllers with me. So if you go to, if you search Game Zone Anna Kendrick, there is a photo of her holding my controller. And so I'm surprised I managed to. I, I'm surprised I've washed or cleaned that controller. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Normally, I want to kind of like during these podcasts talk about what we're working on and what we're getting into. And I know, uh, Miguel, we just, you talked about how you're going to be exclusive for GameSpot at E3. Um, but instead, oh. since this is the first episode, uh, I kind of want to know, and I'll start with you, Jake. What was the what's the coolest thing you've worked on so far? Like, what one piece of content? Not to sorry to spring this on you, no. uh, but what's the one piece of content you can look at and be like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" And I really feel like this is what I want to show people when I'm showing them my portfolio, or like this is is just the coolest thing I've done. One of the coolest things I I've done was we we organized for for the youtube channel pretty much it we organized a uh live recording of the podcast in new york city oh. and uh we didn't know how big the turnout would be and it turns out we we packed the place it was a small like auditorium like a small like bar almost type of place but we packed it out and it was mind-blowing like to actually like see all the people that like comment and tweet and like listen to your show or watch it on youtube every week to have them like in that room with you while you're like making dick jokes about Spider-Man and Metal <laughs> Gear Solid and stuff, it was the the coolest thing ever. So that is most definitely in my reel. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of times for me, yeah, I, I think a lot of this, it's anytime I do something in front of people because I'm so used to working kind of alone. Like I have this studio I built in my home and I'm making content and I'm putting it out there for people, but it's it's the times when I can go on a panel or do a live show, or you know, do something like that. That's when I really get the most out of what I do, and that's what I'm probably most proud of. How afraid were you that? And I feel confident. I would have assumed a lot of people would have come to see you guys, but how afraid were you that you were to walk in? There's like three guys there, like during this live show, <laughs> and like you're basically talking to an empty room. We had a little bit of confidence because like our our numbers are good not to mm. like humble brag but mm. um yeah we 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 had no idea we were we were joking a lot because um our our, our audience demo is is kind of young for pretty much it mm. it's like it's like younger uh males so we, we we were joking that the audience is double because a parent has to bring <laughs> <laughs> but it, it turned out to be all right and we ended up taking the um the money that we made from the tickets to the event and we Got a food truck and just bought everybody hot dogs. Oh, you're just the nicest. That's so great. <laughs> it's it's fun. And anytime, um, no, you know what? The the fear really comes down to uh, panels. When you organize a panel, 
and you don't know if anyone's going to show up. That, for me, is the big thing. I'm like, is anybody going to be here? <laughs> Why am I even doing this? Yeah, oh, exactly. no. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's always worked out pretty good, and I'm, I'm really lucky, and I'm, I'm really happy to have people who want to hear what I have to say. I really feel bad for them, but... <laughs> No, but you, I mean, you have one of the cooler audiences. I follow you on Twitter and I see you retweeting people and people talking to you and you have a, a unique following, uh, and a really cool following. So, yeah, thank you. I, I like to think that we have fun and like, I just try and be a goofball with everyone. Like anytime anyone says like, oh, are you a video game journalist? I'm like, not, nah, uh, not really. You know, I, I think, and I like to point to, um, Max Scoville getting, mm. getting hired at IGN. Um, kind of shows that there is a world for people like me and him that, and people are willing to give us money to just kind of be silly, silly teenage mans. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, and everybody, um, it like embraces it. And anytime anyone photoshops my head on Wonder Woman's body or something, I have to share it. Like and I have this, to. People sometimes forget this industry is real silly. Um, it's, it can be serious. It can be very serious. You can talk about a whole bunch of really in-depth, awesome topics. But sometimes mm -hmm. you just you, you want to make dick jokes about video games. And yeah, you'll get do... a press release in your inbox for like dildo DLC. Yeah, like this, this industry is real goofy. Um, so there's absolutely space for goofy people like you who can make YouTube shows. Thank with... God. Yeah. My parents are so happy. I know. They yes. still don't even know what I'm doing. But Please just add goofy to your Twitter <laughs> profile. Your chief goofy at Game Ranks. Also goofy. <laughs> All right, Miguel, let me let me hear it. What is the well, coolest no, thing you've worked on? Can I first say that I, I'm very impressed with uh, with what Jake? I mean, uh, Jake has done with Game Ranks. I mean, I'm looking at the the uploads of the videos, and I'm just I really like how there's just so much variety. I mean, aside from just like lists and just you know hands-on impressions and you know, yeah, comments. people should subscribe to that channel. Yeah, that we established we established a strategy like. Uh, we knew game ranks. We knew a lot of the content they produced. Uh, it's a lot of lists, a lot of content like that. So we did that primarily. We focused on that to sort of bring people in. And uh, we tried to make them a little more exciting, a little less phoned in. And now that that has kind of brought in an audience, we're experimenting with new shows, like more on camera stuff with me, because that's how I was initially hired for was on camera stuff to kind of be the face. And uh, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of kicking ass and having a lot of fun. Thank and you. I'm glad that you don't feel compelled to have like you know a really like emotionally extreme face as the thumb. No, never. <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even though it might sell to a certain demographic, you know. And also, your I, I love that I I can't decide like I could think of like maybe like ten different emotions you're trying to convey in your Twitter icon, from like, did you fart to? <laughs> no, it know, was my dog. Like, implied face palm. So <laughs> just some some sort of sadness or disappointment. Yeah, there's a lot that the you Jake, did you fart face. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think like what thing I'm proudest the most. I mean, I hope that everyone like in your positions are around to do this long enough that you can't decide because yeah. I can't decide. I mean, the first thing I think of was even though the media company I worked with in 2005 for this project really wasn't like my favorite experience, I, I'm glad that they were, um, I'll leave them nameless, but it was because of this company I, I managed to be the script writer of the Game Developers Choice Awards at GDC in 2005. Really? Um, How did I not know this stuff? We need to talk more. Yeah. Um, I mean, getting, uh, getting that confidence boost I told you about after I became an intern at 
GameSpot TV 16 years ago was a highlight. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Honestly, you're in like my hall of heroes. for That <laughs> That was like the stuff I grew up watching and wanting to do. Yeah, if um, if anything on Extended Play was a review of a Japanese-developed game, it was most likely something that I produced. And That's so cool. You know, and to go into a tangent, um, you know, we were trained on sort of classic, like, MTV-style sort of, like, studio production where, and I, I've said this way too many times to many colleagues, but, you know, we I was of the generation where producers were producers, editors were editors, and shooters were shooters. And this, the last like five years has just, you know, it's, it's been a, a humbling experience playing catch up because everyone like a generation below me, they're kind of expected to know all the, all those things. Yeah. That's, I have to wear every hat. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a very insightful adjustment, but one that I've been able to adjust to decently. Um, you mentioned Max Scoville. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a pleasure working with him at Rev3 Games because, um, I think my favorite, because certain like uh, videos I produced there um, sort of allowed me to do the sort of the same set uh, types of segments I did back at Extended Play. It's sort of this whole classic thing where you had a really compelling cold open and you uh, let, I got to write the script for like the Nino Kuni review, which I reviewed and Max did the on-camera stuff for oh, my, so on my, on my impressions. So if you watch the mm. video, he does. I got him to. I wrote this really cool cold open where, I mean, I, I got taught on very good habits back at Tech TV where, if you can, try to get the game footage to like interact with the host as if they're having a conversation. So the video has this scene where this little girl asks the protagonist, "Hey, do you want to go outside?" And then it cuts to Max going, "Hell no! I want to play Nino Cooney." So, <laughs> and just. You know, I just and and we had you know uh, breaking up the the different thoughts of different paragraphs with sound ups in the middle with just mm. you know uh, sound up I mean clips from the game you know that's that's very like classic extended play tech TV editing style and I guess um, just having that again that career going full circle feeling was really really nice at, at Rev Three Games even though I was just a freelancer. Yeah, absolutely. Then I mean, like you said, it's. In this job, you hope that you don't always have like one thing you point to is like that's my best because you're you're getting better, you're working all the time. But uh, for me, there is always one I point to because GameSpot was always where I wanted to be. Uh, I was like reading, you know, Jeff and Ryan and Kevin Van Ord's work and everything on there for the longest time. And uh, my first opportunity to write there, uh, I'd actually worked when I was at Stick Skills. Uh, Kevin Van Ord, who's the senior editor at uh, GameSpot. I had this interview opportunity to talk to all the guys who made Darksiders 2. Um, and I remember there was three guys plus a PR person. And I asked Kevin if he would help interview them with me, which is, is a weird concept. But we had like a weird dual interview. Um, and he said yes. Had no reason to. It was like on a weekend. Like he had, didn't have to do that. Uh, but I remember like just thinking that was really awesome. And we kind of stayed in touch. Uh, we actually, he was like born and raised like 40 minutes from where I was born. Um, wow. So we had some weird connection. Uh, and we kind of kept talking and I would always think like, man, there's gonna be a point where hopefully I have enough experience where I can pitch something to him or ask for a review. And, um, the final fantasy eight was being, uh, re-released on steam. And I have the slightly controversial opinion. The final fantasy eight is the best final fantasy. Um, oh, you're that guy. Oh, oh you do, I, yeah. Final fantasy eight might be my favorite game of all time. Um, this, wow. it, it, I know it's, it's bold. Um, and I'm not saying it's the best game of all time. Uh, there are better games. But for me, 
just the connection I have to that game. Uh, just I, I love that game. Um, so I pitched like a re-review of it because they were doing more. They're starting to do re-reviews around this time. Um, and he's like, instead of a re-review, how about you just write a feature on it? Uh, and I'd never at this point. I think I was just published on IGN once. So I was like, oh, okay. So because um, I was I was 21 at the time. I he asked him like, what are you looking for? He's like, basically do whatever you want with this. Like this is this is all you. I'm kind of, you know, giving you the keys. He's like, make it a retrospective and just kind of find an angle. Um, so I spent, I replayed the entire game for like the 10th time and just started writing. And I remember that being like the coolest thing ever, but also the hardest assignment ever because there was no, I need to think an, of an interesting way to talk about Final Fantasy VIII in 2013 or 2014, whatever it was. It's special because it's your favorite game. Oh, I, I didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I, I want to make sure that I'm, displaying how into this game I am and kind of showing readers like, this is why you should care about this game and try this game. Um, and it ended up, I didn't even give it a title because I think I gave it a title and they made a way better title. It was a uh, rainbow after the squall, um, which was a Kevin Van Orr title. I think um, I was so happy with that one. Uh, and yeah, that was front page and uh, it was like a 2000 word feature about final fantasy eight and how it uses, not realism, but more realistic character models, and it's the way that affected the story and how everything was conveyed. And it got like like 300 comments, and almost all positive, which made me think I probably did something wrong. But uh, it was the first time I couldn't help it; I had to read the comments, and everyone was just super positive. And uh, it was it was super cool. It was um, after that uh, Kevin just kind of started throwing me random reviews. I reviewed the Final Fantasy X remaster. After that, I kind of became their JRPG guy kind of currently am um i'm reviewing lost dimension right now which is a vita jrpg um so yeah that was from so many reasons for the fact that i always wanted to be on GameSpot and i was finally there and my editor was this person that i'd looked up to for a long time and the fact that i was writing about final fantasy 8 that's probably the one thing i can point to and be like that's not much is going to be that cool. Like that was really cool for me. That's massive. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that it is. was. It was super fun. Um, and you should all play that game if you haven't played that game. Like you know, the greatest Final Fantasy game ever. So moving on. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to argue that one. So uh, let's let's talk about E3, guys, because E3 is happening. Like I don't know when this podcast is going up. Probably like a week before E3, maybe. I hope this goes up soon. It shouldn't take that long to edit. Um, but E3 is happening. And I'm not ready. I, I'm not ready at all. Wait, Jake, are you going, Jake? Yeah, I am. Oh man, I'm the only one not going here. I'm so upset. Uh, Aren't you uh, Airbnbing it with Jackie and Dan? No. Uh yeah, not Dan this year, but Jackie, yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's, it's probably the best. It's the most cost-effective way to do it so far. Uh, Airbnb. Shout out to Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing, Jake? Like, what? I mean. It can be an unannounced thing if you think it's going to be there. But like what one game is really on like top of your list? Um, you know, I don't even have an answer for this either because there's so much. This is, oh, I think it's going to be wow. a super busy E3. Um, stuff, that, stuff that's announced, I'm really excited to see uh, the new Deus Ex. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to see where they're going with that because they have already talked a lot about how they've learned a lot from the last one and responded to a lot of player feedback from the last one, you know, especially with like the boss fights and stuff. So I'm really curious to see like how they're going to take that style of game forward because it's such a unique, still kind of like classic PC style game in the way it plays. And I'm really 
curious to see if they're gonna kind of like shake it up for next gen if I, you will i really loved uh human revolution of course it had flaws and everything but mm. uh i remember playing the hell out of that and doing like so many things i normally wouldn't do normally i'm like just play a game straight and don't be a bad guy but i remember at the start like there's a part where you like infiltrate this security building um i think there's like a whole bunch of guards and there's a way to do that sneakily but i'm bad at video games and i don't sneak so i remember going in and just killing everyone like just yeah just, just, you gotta do what you gotta do yeah and remember um it doesn't repopulate for a long time so every time i'd go back in that building there's just bodies like, dead people everywhere like, oh no if there's ever <laughs> crime it's gonna be so bad because all these people are gone and i it was i really really enjoyed that game so i yeah that's i'm excited to see that that's definitely on the top of my list i think that's what i'm running towards first Oh. I'm still I'm still booking. I'm still like really behind. I'm still booking appointments because I'm like always last in the gate in terms of uh, uh, admissions, like uh, approval. Mm. So I have to kind of scramble around and get everything myself. Are you going for game ranks? I'm kind of going for everything. Okay. Uh, I applied under pretty much it, uh, honestly, because it has it still has like the best numbers, mm. uh, the highest subscriber count. Actually, actually, looks like the game ranks channel just passed that literally today. Oh man! But. but um, yeah, I'm mostly going for, uh, because video games, cause I just review, I do on camera, like reviews and previews and stuff of games. Uh, and then yeah, game ranks, game ranks. I'm going to be doing a lot of press conference stuff like right after like, you know, breaking down the press conferences and stuff. Uh, so Miguel, what I know you're, you're going for GameSpot, which is super awesome. Um, what appointment do you have right now that you're really I... excited about? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to a meeting tomorrow at GameSpot's, uh, at GameSpot. So that's when I actually get my marching orders. A little bit of a tangent. I actually caught up with, um, with Alexa from GameSpot on Friday mm. for a dinner. She because I remember dropping off some Kit Kats for her on her birthday about two weeks ago. We got into a tangent about me working for them and how it was great, how excited she was. And I just, it's nice to have this opportunity to at least like put put like my full timers hat uh, on for just even like a week and just again have that sense of direction and i i was just so grateful that i told her hey you know i think we both have overlapping tastes in like jrpgs and japanese niche developers <laughs> but you i will not be territorial so be as territorial as you like and she was like yeah because i'm going to take all the square enix stuff and um i caught up with her on friday and she said yes she is taking all the Square Enix stuff, and I could have all the Atlas stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's know, a fair trade. There you yeah, go. Cry me a river. And like, apparently, I'm also, I, I might be the go-to guy for all the Xseed stuff. But I don't even know what I'm gonna be, what I'm gonna be assigned. But I mean, I know at the meeting, I'm gonna tell them, hey, um, I, 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 there are many, many genres that I'm not really experienced in. That I mean, I guess I could just, if there's no one there that that could have, I mean, has time to cover. I mean, I can do it, but, you know, I will be coming at it from an outsider's perspective. I mean, not that I'm going to bullshit, and, you know, any of my impressions, but, I mean, I think, like, real-time strategies and MOBAs are my hardest fields. Yeah. Yeah, same So, here. I don't think I'm going to be assigned those, but in terms of what I'm really excited about as a former Metal Gear Solid fanboy, I mean, I'm not former, I'm not like a retired Metal Gear Solid fanboy. <laughs> I want, I still haven't found um, sort of like a, like, uh, a moment or a scene in Metal Gear Solid Five that just makes me really excited. Not the same way that I was excited for two, three, and four. I, I completely same way. Uh, yeah, and I'm. I have this whole, I have this whole like feature that 
that that's sort of just been collecting dust that some editors have been looking at and been giving me ideas on like certain avenues I should explore, certain focus I should have with this feature. But I have this rough draft of something about re- regarding the fact that Metal Gear Solid 4 is such a unique game and that it wrapped up so many loose ends that even like the hardest the hard the hardcore fans in their right mind would never have expected to have wrapped up, but the game wrapped yeah. up anyway. Mm. And it just there's a certain sense of finality that everything since then has just felt like gravy. And I um even though, you know, five is gonna be as as much canon as everything else, um in the mainline series, you know, I'm still just trying to find something in sort of like the narrative. Um I think if there's anything about that game that's gonna grab me, it's probably gonna be when I actually do get to play the the final version where I hope there's something like narratively that because I'm a real sucker for like circular storytelling when things are like the way that Halo Reach ended right where combat evolved yeah. again. I mean, I'm a sucker yes. for that stuff. So if there's a way that Phantom Pain ends right before the original Metal Gear starts. I think that'll be really, really awesome. That would be really cool. Um, and I'm the same way as you. I'm a pretty big Metal Gear fan, but nothing about five has really gotten me like really excited to put, get my hands on the game. Um which I thought that would happen by now because I, f- with four, I mean, that's when I, when I bought my PS3, I got the Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, bundle. Nice. Um, and oh my God, that, I, that's such a good game. And I just was that so was excited to pl- uh, play that game. And like with five, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. Yeah, um, I've been playing since I was nine years old and I've been so into it ever since. But this is the first one where I'm not, yeah, definitely not feeling excited how I felt about the others. Uh, yeah. I think I'm definitely more. Ex- this is the first Metal Gear where I'm excited to play it. Like the gameplay looks really compelling and they have a lot of cool systems going on. But in terms of like seeing what happens in the story, uh, there's not as much hooking me in yet. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer, too, because I, I mean, I, I just downloaded Ground Zeroes because right now it's free for PlayStation Plus and like it plays super well. Um, and it's, you know, it's still it's definitely the best, pl- the best playing. Absolutely. Metal- the one thing I did want to add is, and um, I won't go into too much detail, but I do have a couple editors interested in a story that I'm developing because of the fact that I was actually work already working in games media back when Sons of Liberty was about to come out. So I was in the midst of all that hoodwinking oh. with withholding all the information about Raiden. Oh, really? Stuff Because, yeah, I mean, we did all these preview events and hands-on opportunities. None of us knew about Raiden. I feel like there could be something like that happening again. Yeah, there's, know. I bet there's some weird sorcery going on with Five. Like, there's something weird with that game. Well, I don't know. you know, I mean, so many of the fans were so traumatized with what happened with Two. Like, you know, you assumed the whole thing was going to be Snake on the tanker. Yeah, and and like everyone was like overthinking. They were like dissecting every clue and nugget that they could find about Snake Eater. To the point that they actually, everyone thought that you were actually playing a solid snake in the 60s, despite his age. And, you know, when people got the uh, got the demo from official PlayStation magazine, when you died and it the game over screen turned to Time Paradox. Time Paradox, People thought yeah. that there was, like, time travel in the game. And so, in terms <laughs> oh of, like, in terms of, like, the twist of, like, Sons of Liberty, the biggest twist... That you could that could have possibly happened in Snake Eater was it would actually have a coherent plot, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Jake, order the Metal Gear games, Metal Gear Solid games, in terms of like best to worst. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Um, let's, let's disagree a whole bunch. Metal Gear Solid uh, is still my favorite. Okay, I disagree. That's fine. 
Metal Gear Solid 4 is my second favorite. Okay, smart. Metal Gear Solid... Mm, Metal Gear Solid 2, and then yeah, Metal Gear go. Solid 3. There Everybody disagrees with me. Metal Gear Solid 3 is at the bottom. It's oh, totally not saying too. it's not great. Um, because, honestly, one of the, my favorite video game moments of all time is in 3. Uh, the ladder. The ladder and the song, <laughs> I think, is one of the greatest things ever to happen to it's video games. so dumb, but in, like, the best way possible. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, I for me, it's 4, 2, 1, 3. Uh, even-numbered Metal Gear games are where it's at. How much do you disagree, Miguel? Um, you know, I, I definitely respect, you know, I'm like one of those weird guys who doesn't get into debates because I definitely understand where you're coming from, so I'm really boring That's in fine. that regard. No, I'm like that, uh, too. I don't, yeah. Yeah, my my personal, going from the bottom to the top is, I, I think, Metal Gear Solid 1 okay. because I hate Jeremy Parrish from... Uh, U.S. gamer for pointing out the fact that the game is really essentially just Pac-Man, because <laughs> how much, despite all the first-person view and the radar and like the ra- and you know all the tools you have, you're pretty much playing yeah, the from that yeah. corner of the screen. Yeah, that's really all the game is. And prior to that, I used to like it a lot. Um, and then Metal Gear Solid Two. Okay. And then four because of just as I said, how much it just like really wrapped everything up in ways that we that's didn't so expect great. or need. And then three, because it was sort of like what I consider, from my perspective, to be the purest Metal Gear in terms of just using all the tools okay. to um, sort of like, I mean, the one scene that really crystallized it for me for the first time was there was this one base with a helipad in the forest that I spent like 20 minutes in one spot studying enemy patterns, you know, just in the distance with my binoculars. And after studying it enough, I was able to have enough information to know how to take out everyone without being seen. And I, those were, that was an experience I could not get from the two prior games. So See, your, your order is really interesting because, uh, well, number one, like at the same time, like I, I can't refute any of it. You're absolutely right. Um, I feel like you're looking at it from a, uh, like especially more of like a gameplay perspective. And the weird thing is that like, I don't care like this is people are going to kill me but i don't care about playing metal gear games like if i could just sit there and enjoy like what happens you, even though like people are like what how could you say that the story's all nonsensical i'm like no it's not <laughs> it's freaking beautiful it's art it's wonderful i love <laughs> well, it you know that's the same reason why i rank 3 is because like the story was actually coherent and i just it was all the conspiracy stuff the fact that this whole philosopher's thing like even went back into the, the 19th century and the that fact was that was really this... cool yeah, yeah. i think about it yeah i See, I, I'm kind of with you, Jake, where the gameplay isn't as important, but I say that as someone, I, 4 is my favorite, and I think 4 plays super well, um, so like that was a huge thing for me, so I guess I do care about the gameplay, um, but you, you're totally right, Miguel, that like the way they wrap up that story in 4 is like, I don't really know how they pull it off, there's so many loose ends going in, and you kind of walk away feeling like, hey, you know, I'm really happy about that. Like, I feel like I can walk away from this and you be know what? Content. It comes to it became the only game. I think it's the, it's the only game I could ever think of where you had a sort of a a um a string of like, wouldn't it be cool if moments? Oh yeah. And like oh. five minutes, an hour later, it actually happened. Like the whole thing with wrapping things up, sort of symbolically with you know, ocelot. 
with that fight and even like having like music from all the different solid games and God, yeah. that last fight is such fan service but it's some, so beautiful some way to like bring zero back in at the very end and even like wrap things up with big boss and yeah i talked about this with some you know vis- some some colleagues with video production backgrounds and even like i even mentioned this to like neil Druckmann from naughty dog um just the way that the game used like um straight cuts as opposed to the dissolves there was i knew when i was at the what what i suspected was the final shot of the game and this is such bs like film schools chat but um (laughs) when i was watching what i suspected to be the final scene of the game i said to myself please cut to black please cut to black don't dissolve to black because that's like the difference between like an and you know if it cut to black it felt more like an indie film if it dissolved to black it felt more like a merchant ivory thing and the fact that it cut to black, I was just, that's all I yes. I was just, the yes. hap- I was so happy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, I don't think I need to be a Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid fanboy no, I, anymore because that anything after, as I said, is gravy. And it just, I wish fans of other series had that kind of satisfaction. I mean, gosh bless Zelda fans and all their timeline, you know, discussions and all that. I feel sorry for them and, you know, and <laughs> just... It, <laughs> I can't think of any other series that just wrapped it up with such a neat bow. I got so misty eyes. Especially because, like, um, you know, like movies, big movie franchises, like for them to do stuff like that, they're sweating when they're writing. Like, and it never really pans out in a lot of these, like, big action movie, like, superhero flicks and stuff. And, like, for, for Metal Gear to make it look easy, that's amazing. And it's and the series is going through what you know a lot of series in Hollywood is going through, where like maybe the creator didn't want to go past like episode four or yeah, the absolutely. Third installment. And now you know I don't know if Kojima really wanted to do Phantom Pain. I hope it doesn't come out and feel like that, like feel like ah well he didn't really want to do this one, so here's Metal Gear Solid Five, motherfuckers, and it's just not as not as much heart in there. So, I'm having a heart attack right now. I know it's, it's not gonna happen. Looking back on your fondness for Final Fantasy VIII, it reminded me of this chat I had with um, the, I guess, the co-creator of Burnout, Alex Ward, where we both agreed that you know any sign of a good series is that you have different fans. Their number one installment is all different from the other fans. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a really good way to look at it because I you rarely meet you know we're three people and none of our like, we all have different favorites. I think uh, I'm four. Yeah, we all have different favorite Metal Gear games. So. And yeah, Final Fantasy is very much that way, uh, even though I'd say it's less consistent in that there are just some that no one really cares about. But yeah, it's it's, it's a smart way to look at it. I'm looking forward to seeing that at E3. Um, what What's the chance that we'll see uh, The Last Guardian just appear? Like, can we, can we have a percentage? Okay, Miguel, what's the, per- what's the percent chance that we'll see that? Uh, no comment. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst. Oh, man. <laughs> Jake, what do you think? I would say 47%. Uh, I'm going to say, based off Miguel's no comment, 100% we're going to see it. <laughs> I, would say, I would say a better chance than, unfortunately, this pains me to say, uh, Shenmue 3. I think okay. we have a better chance of, of Last Guardian than Shenmue 3. Let's just ruin Definitely. everyone's days. Just keep bringing up other franchises. Like, is this going to be there? Like Red Dead Redemption 2? Or Red Dead, whatever it's actually going to be called? Just keep shitting on people. But uh, <laughs> I would be excited if that is there because I... Uh, love Shadow of the Colossus. Um, so I want to see that game actually come out. 
but yeah, E3 is going to be fun. I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be all sad while you guys are there, but um, I'll you'll be, be watching. To, you'll be able to cover things more effectively. Some, you know, some things. Like there's there's things you miss when you go to E3. You're going to be like, shit, that was there. Oh okay, man, and, I missed it. And here's the weird thing. Like I'm not like I don't write news for anyone anymore. Like for so many years, I was you know covering that nonstop and writing felt like dozens of stories a day during E3. Yeah, I I'm going to be in my cube at my full time job. Uh, watching E3 press conferences, being a shitty employee. Yeah, hopefully my boss isn't <laughs> listening to this. Uh, like, because I don't have to cover it in any sort of actual way this time. Um, you can just so, enjoy. Yeah, I could just be a normal dude watching normal E3 stuff and freaking out. And I, I will probably have moments in my cube where I'm like cheering, like there's the last guardian, and I'm like, yeah, and everyone's looking around, like, what are you doing? Work is not that exciting. Uh, my mind, uh, I think the thing to watch this year is going to be Star Wars in general. I think oh, it's yeah. Like E3 of Star Wars, I'm hoping. And you're a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be... You see, did you see that video? I did see that video. <laughs> I saw you cry. I saw you cry watching that Star Wars <laughs> trailer. That was, that, was, that was wonderful. I'm glad you can you. open up like that, Jake, and show the world that you are a goofy person. I feel the feels. <laughs> I do know I do know this one guy in the industry like he he writes freelance for Nerdist. He's actually one of those brave souls who's actually doing a Star Wars media blackout. So, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We uh we on pretty much it. We've always kind of uh uh championed the whole like don't overdo it with trailers and stuff because movie trailers now like show so much. Oh, totally. Uh, so we, we yeah, we always have stressed like watch the first teaser trailer and then that's it. Because marketing for movies now, they show you everything. I do that with games, too. If I'm really excited about a game, I'll kind of stay away because I'll be like, I don't want to see all of this stuff. Like, I want to be surprised. Yeah. Um, I did that with Witcher. Oh, yeah. I saw, it, I saw it at E3 last year. And then I was like, okay, that's it. Did they give you um, Polish beer? Because I, I went uh, 2013, I think. Um, yeah. We actually, I sat right behind the entire Witcher team uh during the microsoft press conference uh and we got to talking and then i got uh we set up a, a demo and it was in that big like super warm back room there's no air conditioning and they just gave us a whole bunch of beer and other than sweating a whole bunch it was wonderful yeah the, the i think where i had it they had they had cool beers and they had um the glass mexican cokes oh yeah like a, a really good coca-cola oh. that goes a long way yeah, it was. Those guys are super cool too. That team in general, CD Project. <laughs> not that goes a long way. Like I can be bought by Coca-Cola. Oh yeah, yeah, sponsored by Coke. This podcast, we get the only get the big sponsors here. Um, so yeah, so E3's around the corner. Uh, we've been talking for a while, so I kind of want to go for our last topic, which, like I said at the start, this is not a pure advice show. Uh, but I do um want to give some advice, especially at the end. We've kind of been doing it throughout, but. Let's give just one tip each uh, that either helped you or you know someone else who did that and it's helped them. I know, so something like this, this podcast hopefully is going to help people. Uh, I know, once again, when I was first getting into this, I always wanted to know, like, how do you do this? Like, how do you get into this? And uh, actually, my tip is just going to be a book suggestion uh, that I didn't write. Uh, so it's by, and I always pronounce his last name wrong. It's, I think, my might be French. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you need to say it. What's his name again? Because I'm Nathan not. Nathan There we go. Uh, he wrote Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, which is a really, really great it book for. Kicks ass, yeah. It's it's how I and I've told him this multiple times. Uh, 
I read that book and then two weeks later got my pitch accepted by IGN. So it's not always yes. going to be that easy because once again, I put in years of work beforehand, but it's, it's, it's cheap. It's, it's an easy read. It's short, but it, uh, it really sets you up to understand how to write a pitch, who to pitch to, how to understand, like knowing the, uh, the editor you're pitching to and knowing the style of content they're looking for. And once again, it's to add another tip to that, like you're not always going to get it immediately. It's like, you're going to get a lot of no's. Like it just happens. Um, but read that book. Um, it's where I, I probably sold like a dozen of those for him. Um, because every time someone who I get, you know, Twitter messages all the time or emails and like, how do you, how do you do this? Uh, one of the first things I say is like, here's how I did it. Like I read this book, I'm going to point you to this book. And if you have more questions, like come back and I'll you know, explain further and kind of point you in the right direction. But it's a really great primer. So yeah, read that book. Yeah, where else? Anyone else have one? Yeah, I have one. Um, and and it's it's a tricky one because you know they always say to have fun and love what you do, and you know take it easy. But at the same time, my thing has always been um, treat it like work until it becomes work. Like yeah. so, if if right now you're writing for free or you're making YouTube videos for free, you're you're making YouTube videos for a small audience. Whatever you're doing, treat it like work. And then eventually it can become work. And then when it does, you'll be even better off because you'll you'll be in so many good habits that Absolutely. you won't be you won't be like struggling along picking yourself up as you as you get a great job. And man, will you appreciate it once you like you nail that big one? Like you get you start getting money for it after not getting money for it, and it actually makes you. I remember I was even more serious about it afterward because you know, like you said, you you build those good habits, but then when you start getting paid for it, you're even putting more into it because you don't want to. You don't want to lose that opportunity. There's so absolutely like there are a few opportunities in this industry. Full time, there are very few. Freelance, there's a little bit more wiggle room. Um, so you want to make sure that you're, you know, once you get there, you don't mess it up. But yeah, well, I like I said, definitely, like as much as I say that, you also really have to enjoy what you do, like so much, it because it shows. The second you're not into it, you're not having fun, or you're writing, or you're talking about something that you're not really into, it shows and people can tell and it goes a long way. That goes back to what I was talking about with that stock photo model article for Kotaku. I guess the, the only reason I brought it up was because I enjoyed doing that for free because it was almost too much fun <laughs> to not, I mean, it was just too much fun and like I was happy to just do it for free. It was a almost like a favor for the editor, I mean, to Tina Mini, who, you know, I mean, I've known her since 2010. And um, I knew that what I would get out of it and what that would do for like oh, sort of my industry connections was more than anything that I would have been paid anyway. But yeah. in, in terms of my own advice, um, in a given day, uh, my number one piece of advice would change. But at least today, it's when looking for the lucrative gigs, do not you do not necessarily need to you shouldn't rely on the popularity of the website you have. You should really take that extra step and figure out who the parent company is because mm -hmm. sometimes the disparity, it could be like the most popular site and they may, they might actually end up paying peanuts. But if you, um, if an editor from like a little known site approaches you, don't just, you know, discount them until you actually know who the parent company is because they might actually have a lot of money for you. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people I don't think think about. I know I didn't for a while until kind of deeper into my career. So, um, and also, uh, I think you also wanted a little bit of like E3 advice, and I, I guess we didn't really almost like touch up upon E3 stories. But I yeah. mean, I, if you're on a budget, 
if you're really, really on a budget, park. And if you actually end up driving to the convention center, you should park in the neighborhoods in the northwest section of the convention center. Like I believe one street is called Cherry, and you could you could like not have to park every day. And if if there are any parties where all you got to do to get in is show your badge, don't go to those parties because everyone else is going to go to those. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go to the hot exclusive parties. Yeah, yeah. Parties are um, important. I hate to oh, say it, but parties are kind of important, so especially important. if networking is what you need Hello? to do at that time in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and if if you don't drink, that's fine. Uh, just go and talk to people. Just go hand out some business cards. Make sure you have business cards. I'm gonna say that's a tip. Make some business cards. Look fancy. Be professional. Don't, don't drink too much. That's a, that's another tip. I'm gonna say drink a lot. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> turn your tip down and say go get so <laughs> shit faced. That that's what you remembered for. <laughs> and even like outside of the parties, like, I mean, going to the different restaurants at LA Live after each show floor day, you're going to see a nice mix of marketing, development, PR people there. If you're, if you're, if you know what people look like, you know, who knows what kind of opportunities there might be if you're really polite in interrupting their dinner. Oh, yeah. And like connections are just so important. And I don't, I don't mean just in like a, like you're just talking to people to get connections. You shouldn't do that. But uh, just you know, knowing people in this industry is so huge. Um, and of course, the, the the obligatory party at the Fig every night. Yeah. Yep. That's where you can find it me. It used to be. It used to be the place people met at the end on the Thursday, but it's basically become the meeting place of every day. Oh, you're making me want to go to E3 so badly. I'm so pissed. I don't want to be in my cube anymore. I want to. Mm, all right. Whatever. Um, so yeah, so I am excited that you guys are gonna go. I'm excited to hear your reports back about how awesome it was and how Jake got so drunk. Like, remember that one time Jake got so drunk that he just got lost at the convention? Yeah, it's gonna be great. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, no, it's gonna happen. I'm already <laughs> calling it. Uh, the, for right now, I think for this podcast, I'm planning on doing it every other week. Uh, kind of depends on the reaction. Every other week's the goal. If people really, really like it and want it every week, God damn it, I will provide this service. Um, we have a long guest list right now of people who want to get on here and talk. And uh, I mean, it's about freelancing, but you know, we have Jake on here who's not exactly a freelancer. So we will have a lot of different personalities. Uh, hopefully we can get some full-time people from GameSpot or IGN or other people we know. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll have a rotating cast and we'll see how this goes moving forward. I uh, appreciate both you, uh, Jake and Miguel, coming on and talking about all this dumb stuff. But this is the I, best. I, oh, man. <laughs> I use dumb in a loving way. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be back pretty soon with the second episode of the 1099.